Hi, my name is Susan. I've been arrested 32 times just for listening to people talk with each other. The problem was I used to hide in the bushes outside the windows of people's homes to enjoy listening to strangers talk to each other. It's just something I like to do. I get bored and lonely sometimes, you know. Hey, Susan, don't do all that. There's another way to enjoy random conversations? Now, thanks to the podcast show, I can enjoy listening to conversations with strangers and learn something new every week. No more listening outside the window just to enjoy a good conversation. Tune in weekly on Wednesdays and subscribe for updates on your favorite platform to the Toddcast show and help our podcast family continue to grow and share around the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Toddcast show. My name is Todd Mira, your host, and I'm so excited to be here with all of you. The Toddcast show is dedicated to exploring the human condition through conversation with strangers. We explore the positive, interesting, and oftentimes shocking side of human nature. In each episode of the Toddcast show, I talk with strangers in a down-to-earth, old-school, and heartfelt way about their life. Nothing is ever scripted, everything is spontaneous, positive, and we never discuss politics. You won't know what to expect next. Join in the conversation to laugh, love, learn, and grow with others around the planet. Who will I call next? Tune in to find out every Wednesday at midnight Pacific or for playback anytime on your favorite podcast listening platform. And stay connected with us at ToddCastShow.com. Thank you for joining us for a very special episode of the Toddcast Show. This is a tax-themed episode, and we are with Lance Boleyn today, someone who's quite knowledgeable in this area, and I'd like to get a chance to introduce him, have him share some knowledge with you and some tips and advice to get you ready for this tax season. Lance is a CFP, a CHFC, whatever that is, and a financial advisor, and I'm sure that he's going to tell us here right now. How are you, Lance? I'm doing great. Super excited to be on your show. Right on, man. I'm glad to have you. Thank you. I really appreciate you coming to share your knowledge with our listeners. It means a lot. Um, So certified financial planner, I got that. Uh, What's a CHFC? Uh, It's just another designation that kind of meant I spent too much time studying. uh, (laughs) That is Chartered Financial Consultant. Awesome. So you deal with things that relate to people planning for their future a lot. I do, yes. Awesome. Is that your passion? Uh, It really is. You know, my kind of purpose in life is uh, is to give people financial peace of mind and give them clarity regarding how they're going to accomplish their financial goals. Yeah, my brother. Put together a solid business plan with that and a uh, plan of action, and boy, oh boy, you'd have clients for life. <laughs> like, uh, I want to, always wondered if somebody like you could teach someone how to build the business that you help to manage. Like, that would be an interesting dynamic. Uh, but one thing at a time, there's way too much knowledge in what you have to worry about that. Um, so clearly you're motivated from your own experience to help people in some way that really kind of helps them to get the most out of their tax filing experience financially, but also to create peace of mind, right? Like it's really about 
knowing that your future is secure and that you're feeling comfortable about things financially, right? Yeah, you know, I think there's enough uh, things in life that can cause stress and anxiety. And obviously money and finances sometimes is one of them and taxes. And so any way that I can use kind of my gifts to uh, uh, decrease some of that stress, uh, and then that's what I'm here for. Pitching. That's really cool, man. That's really cool. Um, I, I don't want to spend much time on this because we're going to get right into taxes as promised, but just out of curiosity, what motivated you to do this type of work, may I ask? Well, I would say there's a little divine intervention that took place that I, I was not knowing going on because I got into this industry right out of college, not because I had a vision and knew what I wanted to do, uh, is because I uh, was just approached by a person that says, hey, do you want to be a financial advisor? And I thought that sounded intriguing. And so that's, wow. that's how I got my start. It's really that easy. That's amazing. Wow. They do say, you know, life is what happens in your choices every day. So if you turn left instead of right, like big difference, right? Like, so your mm -hmm. entire life changed at that point and you found yourself to uh, be a collector of fine abacuses and calculators, right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's I'm just very fortunate because uh, you think about right out of college, why anybody would have uh, trust and follow any advice that, you know, a young man would give regarding finances is for me harder to believe. And, you know, the success ratio for people getting into financial services industry is uh, that longevity is less than 10 percent. So I'm just feel very, very humbled and honored yeah. that I was able to uh, not only survive, but, you know, thrive and uh, later became a certified financial planner to, you know, to get credibility and to get knowledge and, and to further my uh, impact on people. That is really, really cool. And I was just kidding. I don't have very many accountant jokes, but the abacus is my favorite. Um, you know what an abacus is, right? I do not. Oh, man, really? Okay, so an abacus is what they used to use. I think it comes from China. And it's the original uh, mathematical calculator thing. And it's got a bunch of little beads on it and uh, lines that go like up and down and you move the beads left to right. And I think they're different colors and all, but that's how they used to, that was like the first calculator in Abacus. Well, I, I have a journal that I try to write down one thing I've learned every day. So Todd, I, there it is, brother. I, I now know what I'm going to write. That's so funny, uh, an abacus. And to me, it's funny because it signifies the most elementary, you know, rudimentary form of performing such a task. So clearly that's very funny, but that's not how that works because the IRS, uh, man, they got a lot of hoops to jump through. So let's start talking about it. Um, where do you want to begin? Like, um, I want to cover things like W-2 employment versus gig employment, 1099s, you know, what happens if you're working on the side, you get a little extra money, what do you do at tax time? Where's the cutoff? You know, how do you know if you need to file? Do you get a 1099 in the mail? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes you have to download it. Sometimes you don't get one at all. And so people are confused by those things often. And I thought maybe we could start in that area and uh, just kind of expand however you'd like to. Yeah, let's do it. Cool, man. So uh, kick it off. What do you like better? Do you like working with W-2s or uh, self-employment and things like that better? Well, uh, I would be biased towards self-employment uh, only because I feel uh, you they have a little bit uh, more, uh, there's some strategies that they can employ that a W-2 
person cannot, right? As right. far as tax wise, and have access to certain more deductions uh, than a W two employee. So, if a person can be self employed, I would uh, uh, lean towards that as a uh, you know I feel it opens the door for more tax strategies. Absolutely. And uh, talking about those for a minute, one of the things I've noticed people confused about sometimes, um, having worked with taxes myself a little bit and still do, uh, getting my feet wet, is, uh, you know, they're really confused if they have to file at all. And if they do file, like there's W-2 employees that think that they can write off part of their workspace in their home, which I guess is not the case. You can only do that as a 1099 employee, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's things like that, you know, where are these, um, you know, like how would someone know like what they really needed to do, like just to kind of get things started, even if they were like preparing to come to your office and work with you, how would you advise somebody that's self-employed to get prepared and uh, have what they need to allow you to do your job most effectively? Well, I try to uh, help them to be proactive in, in, in their thinking. And, and so what I feel just to open the door of creativity uh, for a self-employed individual. So uh, just say we can maybe pick a category, like a consultant, for example. I, I'm, in, I'm in the Midwest, near Walmart world. Uh, so there's a lot mm-hmm. of individuals, right, that consult companies uh, to sell products to that, uh, to Walmart. So, Interesting. you know, the example of, you know, if you look at that, so, Hey, are you ever, uh, traveling, uh, whether it's on personal vacation or not, and you can go into different Walmarts wherever you're traveling, right. And then you're actually doing some research, right. And now that will make your per, uh, part of that, uh, trip, right. Have some deductions to it. Uh, that would be, you know, a simple way to do it. Obviously, we want to keep track of your mileage and things that in that nature. But, you know, a lot of a lot of people. But that only estate, that only applies to re- retail, though, right? Like uh, just to, so we're not confused, like somebody selling art on Etsy. That doesn't count. Like that's not the same thing. Yeah, right. OK, cool. Yeah. Just want to make sure. Yeah. Uh, another thing I feel like. Uh, a, a very something that's missed a lot uh, is when self-employed individuals have children of age, let's say ten or older. Uh, not, you know, is what I recommend is can we can they do a, a jobs function for the for your company in some capacity uh, that really? would allow you to put them on payroll. Really? Yeah. You can do that. No kidding, and that's yeah, not cheating. You can pay your uh, a, a person a child up to twelve thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars because that's equal to their standard deduction. No way. And then there would be no taxes on that money. So now that money that normally would have gotten taxed at their higher tax bracket is getting taxed at the zero percent uh, rate, which is always a good thing. See now, that's the kind of magic I'm talking about, buddy. That's what I want to hear, man. Like I had no idea. Okay, let's just explore this for a moment. So let's say that you have hypothetically a couple that split up, and each one takes care of the child for different parts of the year. They're both custodial parents. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you figure out which one of you can claim the child in that capacity if that's the case? Because a lot of folks these days are divorced and still caring for the child. And, you know, just getting the tax refund is a big fight. But, like, 
I'm just kind of wondering, are there guidelines related to if you did have a business and, you know, let's say the other spouse was going to take the credit this year or something like that, like how would all that kind of stuff work? Yeah, usually you, I find uh, based on the divorce decree, right, they are switching back and forth, right? The, mm -hmm. the dependence of that, but not always. So it, you have to always, you know, kind of every situation is different, mm -hmm. uh, but it, and it also depends if somebody is, uh, if they have a good relationship or not, right? Because even though the the decree says one, you know, says they maybe have to switch back and forth, if, if one is self-employed and the other is W-2'd, then mm -hmm. it would make a lot of sense, right? If the self-employed was able to have the child and then put them on payroll and get that $12,950 not taxed, and then work out something with the co-parent, right? As far as mm -hmm. uh, maybe helping out and, and them financially in some way. Uh, mm -hmm. Either way, it's better than going to the IRS, giving that money to the IRS. Yeah, that's for sure. And then once you get into that area, is that when you can itemize your deductions once you get past that minimum threshold? That is correct. Yes. Uh, a standard deduction for a, a, a couple filing jointly, right, is $25,900. Uh, dollars. Uh, mm -hmm. And so anything over that, if right, a person gave, let's say, $40,000 to a charity, obviously they would deduct the 40000 versus the standard deduction of 25900 But the minimum deduction people get is, is 25900 And then you just divide that by half if you're, you know, filing single. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And just out of curiosity, from your experience, um, I mean, this is kind of a weird question, but are most tax filers married or single? Uh, married. Okay, cool. And there's a lot of advantages clearly for that to, you know, I mean, I've never been married myself, but there are a lot of breaks and well, things. Well, that's interesting you say that because I have a colleague uh, who is scheduled to get married in May wow. and just went to the courthouse today to get legally married. Uh, and the reason is because when he did his tax estimate, right, single versus married, uh, he saved $30,000 in income taxes if he was married versus single. So no kidding. They, uh, use, they're going to use some of that tax savings to uh, help pay for their wedding. That is awesome. And in a situation like that, he would be the primary breadwinner, right? Yes. So yeah. the, the wife helps to minimize his liability. How does that work? Well, the, it's just the tax brackets, right? Or uh, for a, uh, for a joint versus single, you know, the mm -hmm. are bigger spreads as far uh, as each tax rate that, in, that as it goes up. So that's, gotcha. that's generally speaking why that that works that way. Yeah, man, totally. And there are some new things happening uh, this this year actually with uh, new tax brackets, right? Yeah, they're adjusting. Uh, that it's not finalized yet, but. Uh, they kind of, you know, change a little bit each year. A lot or just a little bit? Uh, I don't think of any major changes for the 2023 year. I see. I see. Um, so here's another weird question. Uh, so let's say that someone's making $60,000 a year. They get a raise. They're making $90,000 a year. 
And those two tax brackets are different, right? Like, I mean, completely different. I've heard some people say that it makes more sense to make less money with some of the tax brackets these days. Is that right or wrong? I would not agree with that. You know, if they're married, for example, uh, the like the the first uh, $20,500 of income is taxed at 10%. And then from $20,550 to $83,550 is taxed at 12%. And then everything over 83 up to 178 is taxed at 22%. So it's a misconception. Many people feel like if uh, that all of their income is getting taxed at one rate, but that's not the case. Uh, everybody's income, first uh, income gets taxed at 10, then 12, then 22. And as you go up into bracket, that doesn't mean that all of your money gets taxed at that higher rate, just your money above. That. So for example, the top of the 22% bracket is $178,150. So if you had, if a couple had income of 180,000, only the difference 180 minus 178, 150 would get taxed at the next bracket up, which is 24%. Wow, amazing. Okay, that's not so bad. Um, and it does differ from what I believe to be true. Uh, based on the little bit that I've seen, but that makes perfect sense. I thought it was a lot higher than that, actually. There aren't taxes that are up as high as 50% right now. Is that a misnomer? It is. Uh, the highest marginal tax rate uh, now is 37%. And if you're single, that uh, that's your income over if you're uh, married, filing joint, then it's six. It's income over six hundred and forty-seven thousand eight hundred and fifty dollars. So, it's if 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 your listeners would you would Google, uh, it's a fascinating uh, learning experience. Uh, federal historical tax rates. Mm -hmm. They're going to find uh, that in our U.S. tax code history, we've had federal tax rate as as high as ninety percent. Really? Yeah. When uh, was that? Uh, during the uh, 40s and 50s. Wow. Okay. So the depression played a part in that, though, yeah. right? Yeah. I had to yeah. pay for a war. Yeah. You, you That's know, amazing. 90%. Did people actually pay it? Yeah. And then, the, you know, the, and then as late as the 80s, it was 50%. So wow. you'll notice that most of the times they'll show graphs. So in the last 20 years, really, historically, we're in it. We are in the lowest tax rate environment we've ever been in. So I try right. to encourage individuals to, you know, help with that reality that they don't. Uh, that I know paying taxes is rough, and we get and nobody likes to do that. But mm -hmm. we're in historically low tax rate environment. So I have a philosophy. Don't know if it's true or not. But with our federal deficit being right, pretty out of whack. Yeah. Right. Government programs like Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid being right underfunded. Mm -hmm. I think the uh, you know the government's going to need to raise it revenue and mm -hmm. or decrease expenses, which they don't do very well. So the only way yeah. they're going to increase revenue, right, is they're going to raise taxes. Yeah, that's the that's the crappy part about it. I mean, I, I'm all for it, and I think that because of that, people like you are in high demand, and I think it's really important, but. 
it's no excuse for mismanagement, man, and without getting into politics or anything, but it's like, stop spending the money. You know, it's like, I learned that as an early age. When I'm out of money, I can't spend it anymore until you get a credit card. And then you go through those stupid learning experiences of overspending and being an idiot. And then finally you wake up one day and become an adult and realize like, oh yeah, I can't spend it if I don't have it, you know, but yet our yeah. government does it all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh Lord. And, and, you know, it's, so I, I, I think it's important for individuals. So we, at least my philosophy is let's, you know, maybe take our lump and pay taxes now on the income yeah. we're making, yeah. uh, especially for making good income and which mm -hmm. is everybody's goal, right? Everybody doesn't want to, you know, work for free. So make as much money as you can, but, but save and position your wealth so that in the future you can dramatically decrease the impact uncle Sam has on you. Yes. Uh, and that's, that's the philosophy. I think individual, my goal to help individuals take is that when you're making good income, the tax code is written to make it hard for you to hide. It's just the fact of the matter, right? If you had a, uh, Two hundred thousand dollar income or four hundred thousand dollar income, you know that's you know to me. Oh yeah, income. they know, they know. So they when they come to you before you do your taxes, you're not going to go. Well, let me show you this magic uh, trick here. We can lower your income by a hundred thousand dollars. Wow, wouldn't that be amazing? No, it's yeah. just the opposite, brother. It's just the opposite. They want to complicate it and all that, but yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, okay, so clearly there's a path that still lives within the concept of integrity, because that's important. We want to be honest and above the boards and by the books and following the laws, and that's the beauty of what you're talking about. I'm kind of sensing that you've got a nice surprise here, and we're going to get into it. Um, and I wanted to ask you a little bit more about self-employment before we do, but reducing or eliminating the amount of taxes is something that everybody's going to want to find out how to do. And there are ways to do it that are creative, yet still ethical. And that's the key, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so self-employment, um, just so people that are listening, just in case there's somebody new that's like, I didn't know that, what kind of things can they leverage and write off, uh, you know, related to their business that would be advantageous for them from a tax perspective? Well, you know, it's pretty, pretty broad, but you just say, you know, obviously their phone, right? Mobile expense. Uh, I, I was going to say telephone expense, but that was going to age me a little bit, right? Because I don't have telephones yeah. anymore. I do. Uh, I do. <laughs> you do? Yeah, I do. I got a red one, a push button. I wanted it to be rotary, but it's a push button. I bought it off of eBay and it's uh, got a little thing on it that says downtime phone. And it's, it's supposed to be used at some point for my radio show. When I do comedy, but yeah, I love the old technology, man. And like, it's so simple. I took it apart and, you know, just admiring all the, you know, components inside it and thinking, wow, this cell phone in my left hand, like, and what it does compared to this old thing, like, <laughs> That's sweet. I'm old school, man. Yeah, that's sweet. Uh, well, I love it. I mean, well, well, then, you know, an example there, you definitely that the the bill that you're paying for that, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like 90 bucks a month. There Dude, my cell, my cell phone cost me $15 a month and my landline cost me 90. What in the hell is going on? 
That is, uh, I would have not guessed that. That is crazy. Isn't it? Isn't it? It's like so crazy. And the internet's 50. I live in central Arizona and uh, it's like country. So not a lot of options, but the ones that are, it's like kind of bizarre actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so let's just kind of play for a moment and pretend that we have a business and, you know, think of all the creative ways that we can minimize our, uh, our IRS liability. You know, what kind of business would suffice for that? Would it be like, you know, a door dasher, somebody that drives for Uber or Lyft or something like that? Or is it limited to people with higher, I mean, those incomes can be pretty astronomical. Actually, they make a lot of money doing that. But yeah, I mean, are, well, there, are there limits? First, you know, you have your, you know, all your startup costs, right? For an organizational cost, uh, you know, you know, if you are deductible, you know, inventory, if it's your a business that has inventory for, mm-hmm. or, you know, for storage or labor costs, uh, any factory overhead. Uh, of course, you know, we talked about a little bit utilities, um, mm-hmm. business insurance, working co- workers' compensation costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you have rent, uh, you know, you're, you're deducting that or all of your auto, auto expenses, of course, we brought up. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times the people, you know, if they have equipment, uh, they can depreciate that equipment, right? And so there's a depreciation uh, schedule that can be done and, you know, office furniture, uh, software subscriptions, uh, any advertising or marketing, uh, you know, business entertainment, uh, you know, to take people out, right, to go eat and entertain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certain types of, you know, such as meals that's provided at an office party, for example, you know, when you go out, let's say you take, you know, meal costs are only uh, deductible up to 50%. But if you like, have a, a meal at your office, right? For an office party, then that's actually a hundred percent deductible. Many individuals aren't aware of that. No, I did not know that. That's cool. Wow. That's yeah. amazing, man. Of course we have uh, our travel expenses we talked about. And then sure. you know, if you have any interest, you know, loans to, you know, sometimes self-employed individuals have borrowed money, right. To get mm-hmm. into business. So that interest uh, that they're paying on that loan is fully deductible. Wow. That's amazing. Okay, cool. And then um, when it comes to like reducing the amount of money that you owe, is that about write-offs or is it clever strategy? Like, I mean, you don't fudge the numbers clearly, but like you'd have to have expenses to offset the tax liability, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. You can, then- fu- you can function at a loss, right? It's not like uh, you know, that's totally normal. So you can have expenses greater than income. Mm-hmm. Mm, but what if there's no income? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, that, that could happen in the in maybe year one, but mm-hmm. probably year two, three, that you would. Something, something's say, you, fishy, right? Like yeah, hey, you're getting not fishy. showing any income. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Perfect. The only reason I ask is I know some folks that start, you know, start slow and, you know, um, I did have a question once like that that I thought was very intriguing and they had a lot more expenses and no income and yet it was a business. So, you know, it was kind of a weird thing, Um, Mm -hmm. but it all worked out. And then uh, when people file, and this is kind of along these lines, do they file as an individual or do they file as a business? Isn't the business under the individual? How does that work? Yeah, that's generally speaking, uh, a self-employed person, right? You can be a sole proprietor, right? Or you can incorporate mm-hmm. uh, and without getting uh, boring the listeners too much. Generally speaking, <laughs> we would say 
you would uh, form an LLC and then you would file as an S corporation. I see. Okay. And so, the benefit that, of that I, simplicity yes, thank you. is this. Uh, we all have social security tax, right? You know, where we're paying in social security as an employee and as an employer. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with that? Oh yeah. So that, that tax, social security tax is, is paid from your W-2 salary income. So mm -hmm. let's say a self-employed individual has $120,000 of income, but they only pay themselves a salary of 60 and they take the remaining 60,000 as distributions. They're only paying the 6.2% social security tax on their salary. So only on that $60,000. So, mm -hmm. and that's times two because they have to pay that, uh, that plus the Medicare portion, I forgot, excuse me. So that's seven point, uh, six five percent so that they 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 avoid they pay that as an employee but they're as an employer they also have to pay that to all the employers you know pay that as well so they're saving themselves at 15.3 percent on that on the difference between 120 and 60,000. so that's generally speaking why we do that you pay a lower salary and then you take distributions on the rest of your income i see and distributions are what exactly uh, is a, you, know, you, you would draw it from your account and it's recorded and as a distribution. Uh, it's just it's not considered a your salary. I see. Okay, but it's uh, still legitimately income. It gets taxed uh, as income, but it avoids the Social Security and Medicare tax. I see. Wow, that's interesting. And is that a lot? Like, what kind of savings do you get there? Yeah, it's uh seven point four five percent times two. So what is that? That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Man, you should put that in a four oh one K instead, right? Yeah. So that's a bit that's something that we would encourage our, you know, if you're if you filed as a self proprietor sole proprietor, for example, all of that hundred and twenty thousand of income would get taxed would have that incur that social security and Medicare tax. But by filing as an S corporation, uh, you're only having and paying yourself a salary. You're only paying the Social Security Medicare tax on the salary uh, portion. So that's something that I encourage individuals that are self-employed just to look out how they're filing. And if they're filing, filing as a sole proprietor, I'd encourage them to go to uh, whether a tax professional and ask if they it's something if they should look at an S corporation. Yeah, very, very cool. And uh, that offers other protections against uh, liability and all, or is that different? Uh, it does. Yes, sir. Yep, it does. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and also for like anonymity, like let's say that you're someone that's been in an abusive relationship and, you know, you're scared because your ex is out there and he's looking for you. Is there a way to like acquire property or to live like under the radar through a process like that? Uh, no, not that I'm aware of. Okay, just curious. Because mm. I know sometimes companies buy properties and, you know, I mean, that's part of the investment process, I'm assuming. And oh, all yeah, of their... like in shell companies, like, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I was just wondering um, if that was the case. So, 
uh, when you're self-employed, lots of options, and there's definitely more to work with there. Um, is there anything that needs to be hit before we switch over to W2? Uh, no, I think we've covered it. All right, beautiful. And so W2 employee, as uh, most people may or may not know, is the type of job that you have when you trade your time for money, right? Like you go and log in, you click a time clock, you log out, they pay you a set amount, and you you pay taxes on that amount. It's usually taken out for you, right? And um, that's something not everybody realizes with W-2s is you have to tell them how much to take out, right? Mm-hmm, for sure. Yep, we've seen a couple of those where, uh, why do I owe, they ask. And, well, how did you fill out your paperwork? What paperwork? <laughs> Oh, Jesus. And, so. Yeah, I think that's generally the withholding is the biggest error I also see. Uh, mm-hmm. And so they're not withholding enough. But also what I find is m- misunderstood, at least in, again, in my area, more corporate America with Walmart, Tyson and J.B. Hunt headquarters here is the, the W-2 you know, employees often receive a bonus or they receive uh, like stock options or stock grants. Mm. And what many individuals don't know is that is considered what's called supplemental wages. And it's meaning that it's not reoccurring on a common basis. So bonuses or tips or again, stock options. So when those vest, the company is only withholding at a flat rate of 22%. And so if an individual is in a higher tax rate than that, right, they got their net bonus and they go, oh, great, I got $50,000 for my bonus. Uh, But they didn't realize that. And if their tax rate is at 30%, the company only withheld 22. So 8% of that 50,000 or 4,000 more dollars is actually owed to the government, but they don't realize it. So then when they go do their taxes and they're like, why do I still owe? Right. Then we make sure they learn that term supplemental wages, which is, uh, has a different tax rate. And so it's very times misleading and misunderstanding. Interesting. Is it a higher or lower rate? Well, it depends on where the person falls, uh, on the income tax side. Right. But as we discussed, it's, it's not your, your income would have to be, uh, to get at, out of the 20, any income, you know, over $178,000 is taxed at, at higher rates than 22%. So it just depends where they fail, you know, on their income. So if they had, if their income was greater than 178,000, then not, you know, not, not enough would have been withheld. And if it was less than that, then they would be okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is, um, is uh, money that you apply to a 401k taxable? Uh, it depends if you did uh, pre-tax, which is a very common way to do it, or if you put your, uh, many companies now have a Roth feature, which allows individuals to put money post-tax. And so it depends on which they choose. I recommend, generally speaking, they put money post-tax into the Roth. So they paid their taxes now and save that money so that in the future when it grows and accumulates and compounds and doubles it is the withdrawals are tax-free versus if they take put the money in pre-tax now then and it grows and compound and doubles then they're going to pay taxes on the all that money later 
Wow, and that's a big surprise for people probably when that comes up, right? Well, we always want to save money. People know they need to save right for retirement, and the 401k has been the most common vehicle that to be used. But uh, I think it's a little ploy by the government uh, for them to get more money. So, for example, let's say that you put ten thousand in your 401k pre-tax, and you were you were let's say you're in a high income or and you're in a thirty percent tax rate. So you saved three thousand dollars in taxes, right? Mm-hmm. So that three, that ten thousand dollars though got invested, let's say, in an S and P five hundred uh, index, and so it doubles on average every seven years. So that ten grows to twenty, the twenty grows to forty, the forty grows to eighty, the eighty to one sixty. And so now, when you would draw, when you need, you would draw that one sixty, the government gets to tax it. Oh. Then you might go, well, hey, I'm going to be in a lower tax rate, though. So, all right, let's say you're in the 20% tax rate now versus 30. 20% of $160,000 is a lot more than 30% of $10,000. Yeah. So you see the government gets more money that way. Oh, boy. Um, Interesting. Yeah, we don't like that. Um, Definitely not. So how do you cut back that fat and, you know, keep more of your money? What are... What can you do as a W-2 employee to help maximize your, your, your income and minimize your tax liability? Are there other strategies that can be employed there, or is that limited to the people who are self-employed? The, really, the only vehicle that they can uh, do that I recommend that is a, a really, really strong vehicle is a health savings account. Mm-hmm. And so a health savings account, uh, when you make a contribution, this, uh, this year's limit is $7,200, that goes into a savings account and you get to deduct that from your taxes. So that's pre-tax. And then it goes, it stays in there and it can be invested. And when it's used for medical expenses in the future, whether that's next year, 10 years or 40 years later, all of that money and growth is tax free. Interesting. Wow. But it's limited to medical expenses and it's used as a tool every year. You said to cut back a little bit on the taxes that you owe, right? That's correct. It's the uh, it's kind of the ultimate vehicle because there's not many where you get a tax deduction up front and then you never pay taxes on the money again. And I know it's only used for medical expenses, but I don't know about you, but it seems like the older I get, the more medical <laughs> expenses I have. Yeah, things break, man. We get old. Um, yeah, things happen that we're not expecting. We think we'll live forever, but boy, oh boy, age catches right up with us in no time. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah, my and, father, I just got a, a text because, you know, I was checking on him. He had a shoulder replacement surgery today at, uh, you know, oh. s- at age 78. And so oh, wow. I'm like, med- medical technology continues to increase and get better, right? They just keep us alive and, and put Yeah, but that's like a $100,000 process, right? Like, oh, I don't know what it was. Well, thank goodness for medical insurance, but yeah, yeah, yeah he's got, like the bionic man now. He has fake knees, fake shoulders, uh, fake uh, hips. Oh well, God bless him. Is he doing all right? He is. Yes. All right. Good. 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 Yeah. Wow. Well, what a day, man. Thanks for spending time with me today. Um, I appreciate that, and send him my best, and I hope he recovers quickly and all that. It must suck, you know, getting surgeries and all. But yeah, the bionic man is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what, other th- what, what I hope that, you know, for the W-2 per, uh, people, again, there's not a lot of ways to lower their taxable income. I would uh, 
And this can encourage them, again, with, take advantage of their company benefit plans, right, and, and maximize those. And if there is a Roth feature within their 401k, I would you know, ch strongly challenge them to contribute to the Roth versus pre-tax. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, is because many individuals do not know that there is a 0% tax rate that, is, that exists. Oh, what's that and for? That 0% tax rate exists for uh, dividends, you know, like meaning if you own a stock like Johnson & Johnson or Home Depot or Walmart and they pay a dividend, mm -hmm. uh, that, that's a, a, there's a special tax rate for those and capital gains. Mm -hmm. And when I say capital gain, that means I, I, I bought, let's say, oh, a, a stock or a bond for a dollar and I sold it for $2. The IRS says, hey, you have to, you made a capital gain, so you need to pay taxes on that. And there, there's three tax rates that exist for dividends and capital gains. There's a 0% tax rate, mm -hmm. there's a 15% tax rate, mm -hmm. and there's a 20% tax rate. Mm. And sometimes this has been, especially during political uh, uh, times, is it, this gets brought up because they say the 20% tax rate, that is for individuals who are in the 37% income bracket. Uh, and if we recall earlier, to get in the 37% income bracket, I mean, you're making bank, right? If you're single, you're making over $540,000. If you're married, finally joint, you're making over $648,000, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a pretty good income, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And so... They, if they buy a stock bond or mutual fund or buy real estate and then sell it, then they're only having to pay a 20% tax rate. That's the top rate for capital gains and dividends. Oh, interesting. Hmm. And then uh, the 0% tax rate exists for individuals that are in the 12% income bracket or below. Uh, generally speaking, I would say during your accumulation phase of life, meaning I'm working, making money at the you know, W-2 employment. I, you know, if you're single, if you make less than $42,000, then you qualify for that 0% tax rate. And if you're married, if you make less than $83,550, you tax rate, uh, you're qualified for that. So you see what I mean? It's probably not a tax yeah. rate you want to qualify for while you're working. Yeah, I got what you're saying. That's more of a, you know, a stepping stone sort of thing. Yeah, so make as much income, but you know, something that that we I try to help people and show them uh, uh, in planning, and and I have this in the book that I had had come out is like an example of what if you could retire? Just picture this: so you retire. I'm no longer collecting a W two, or I'm no longer self employed. What if I and I say, hey, I want a hundred and twenty thousand dollars to live on. And what if I told you you would only have to pay $1,410 in taxes? Well, that'd be interesting. Well, that's right, less than a 1.5% tax rate. And that exists. This strategy exists without, uh, and, and without going to jail, right? And without yeah. having to look over your shoulders. And, and it's just because I uh, take advantage of how the tax code is written and I make you look poor or have less income during retirement. And remember when we talked about that, that pre-tax 401k, and I said, when you take money out in the future, it's taxed mm -hmm. as income. 
That's mm -hmm. when Uncle Sam gets to tax it. Yep. So that's the, you know, that your the withdrawals from those is like your new W-2 in retirement because you're no longer working. So you no longer have a W-2. So Uncle, so let's say you take $40,000 out. Uh, remember that standard deduction we talked about of $25,900. So the taxable income becomes 14,100. So when you have, that's what they consider your taxable income. Well, that's a lot less than the 83,550, right? Which we yeah. said you couldn't make more than to qualify for that 0% tax rate. And so now I can get money from my, what I call bucket two, my, you know, some money from stocks, bonds, mutual funds, or real estate, uh, capital gains, and that gets taxed at a 0% rate. And then I take money out of my Roth, which is tax-free, as we discussed earlier, when we make withdrawals. And so that's not even reportable. And so the key is to try to take advantage of that 0% tax rate when you can. Absolutely. Gosh, didn't even know there was such a thing. That's brilliant. And um, speaking of brilliant, I know that you wrote a book and you sent me a document and I wanted to spend some time talking about this just to help people kind of visualize what you're talking about. And also, of course, I'd like to promote your book and help people find you and uh, come and talk to you about taxes, man. Um, tell us a little bit about your book and the bucket strategy. Yeah, the bucket strategy is the foundation of, 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 of accumulating wealth. So uh, it, it kind of a story of a backdrop. When I was 37, I had formed a mastermind group of, of uh, other certified financial planners uh, and tax uh, experts. And I wanted to create a think tank, right? Uh, best practices, share ideas, concepts. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so formed this group. There is a guy out of LA, two out of Seattle, one out of Minneapolis, Nashville, and Denver. And so we, you know, never forget this. This guy is on a whiteboard and he makes a comment that I thought was ridiculous. He goes, I'm going to show you guys how to take money out of an IRA and not pay taxes on it. Okay. And then I'm looking at them like, I don't think that can be done. Uh, but that's when I first got exposed and I had my mind really just, you know, expanded as far as thinking about wealth differently, about thinking about how to accumulate it strategically so that I can make withdrawals in the future and dramatically avoid paying money to the IRS. And so the bucket strategy is there's just three buckets uh, that I'll highlight in there. You know, bucket one is pre-tax. Bucket two is after tax or capital gain and dividend tax, you know, and bucket three is your tax free. So it's just the foundation of how much should I save in each of those so that in the future I can withdraw money and take advantage of that 0% tax rate. Yeah, man. And I'm looking at this thing on my screen and like for anybody that is not familiar with this stuff, like I would highly encourage you to get a hold of Lance and uh, beg him to share this document with you. It's very interesting, actually. You know, the, the, if I can help anybody go from good to great or just, you know, help them get, uh, decrease the amount of money they give to Uncle Sam so that hopefully they can give that to their families or give it to charities, I think that's a big win. Yeah, man, absolutely. And charitable giving, um, how does that play into the whole thing? Like people give clothes to goodwill and other people donate cars to charities like uh, is there any limit or specific um, 
rules that relate to giving to charity and uh, allowing that to be deducted from your tax liability. Yeah, yeah there's not. If a person wanted to give 100% of their income uh, to a charity, they could, and they could. it would all be deductible. And I actually uh, have a story in the book about uh, a retired client who gave $100,000 to the charity, uh, but how we, we withdrew the money from his taxable IRA. Mm-hmm. So we withdrew 100000 from his IRA. He then wrote a check for the charity, which is 100% deductible. And so that means he didn't have to pay taxes on that IRA withdrawal. Wow. But he also had to part with his hundred grand. He know. did. He did. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not forget that part. <laughs> he for sure did. Yeah. That is, there is a no strings attached. You can't get that money back. No, no. That's a beautiful thing, though, man. I mean, if you're... You know, if you don't have family and, you know, feel that you want to support something, that's awesome. You can give anywhere you want, really. It doesn't matter, does it? Can you give it to a homeless person? Like, can you give cash to a homeless person and deduct that? Uh, You cannot. Uh, It has to be a qualified organization. Uh, Doesn't mean that you shouldn't give money to individuals, but you don't do it for tax benefits. Yeah, and I'm just curious because I know, you know, a homeless issue is getting out of hand in a lot of cities and people do you know reach into their pocket pull out some money and i mean we never want to the whole idea of giving is not to receive but i'm just curious you know is there any way to help people that are underprivileged uh with you know charitable giving without having to go through an organization it always has to go through an organization right yes okay i see very good very good and um Looking at this document here, um, you had mentioned uh, something towards the end here. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, really? Is it, are these numbers for real? These are real yeah. numbers, right? Like, yeah, they are. Yeah. Okay. So $120,000 income, $1,410 estimated tax. I paid more than that, and I didn't make anywhere near that much. Could you please explain it? <laughs> Well, it's just uh, we have, you know, you have to kind of go and play, understand how the, you know, how the tax rates work. And you're getting, we're trying to make your taxable income be qualified, be low enough so that you can qualify for that 0% tax rate for dividends and capital gains. Yeah. And that is, I guess, that is the game. It's without, you know, you, you just have to know what those are. So if a person's single, it's around $43,000 that they need to keep their taxable income below. And if they're married, finally joint, then it's uh, $83,550. Uh, and that's done by how much they would draw from their pre-tax bucket. Bucket number one, which is your IRA, 401k, and things of that nature. Very cool. And again, if you're no longer working... You don't have a W-2. You're not self-employed. You can control how much you take out, right? You just, mm-hmm. And so you, you withdraw strategically so that you can qualify for the 0% tax rate for your bucket two money that's normally getting taxed at a 15 or 20% rate. Interesting. Interesting. And are there advantages in like long-term investments uh, in terms of saving on taxes? Like, is it good to buy cars, houses, things like that? I mean, is there advantages to those types of activities? Uh, not really. I, you know, I just encourage individuals, the key with the investing and accumulating wealth is starting early. Mm-hmm. 
you know, the biggest, one of the biggest miracles in life is that, you know, there's the compounding wealth. Uh, and, you know, I have a story in the book, it's called uh, Mowing for Millions. And so this uh, friend of my son, you know, he's 18 years old. He put $6,000 in an IRA and he's going to do that th th for five years, right? Until he gets uh, through college. So that's $30,000. Mm-hmm. And that money will grow to over $1 million by the time he's 60. Wow. That and is it's awesome. because of the secret of compounding wealth, right? His 30,000 grows to 60 every, you know, every seven years it doubles. The 60 to 120, the 120 to 240, the 240 to 480, the 480 to 960. Amazing. And that's so that's, really that's, cool. That's, that's the key to accumulating wealth is just starting young. Okay. And if you didn't get to start young, is there a way to catch up? Yeah. Uh, save more. <laughs> you, know, you just need to be able to eat, uh, save more. So that's less, less trips to the fast food, uh, you know, no uh, toys, you know, you just got to hunker down and put the money in the bank, right? Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I, when individuals tell me they have a trouble saving, uh, again, I have another story in the books called the $10,000 Coke. And this is an example of they go to, didn't go to the convenience store and spend $2 on a Coke every day, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. that's $10 a week. That's $40 yeah. a month. Yeah. Uh, that would have grown over 10 years to over $10,000. And so now anybody can save if they want to. It's just what we choose to spend money on. That's amazing. Yeah. And it really does just take a little bit of discipline, but the rewards are huge. And especially, you know, we're talking about once a year tax time. And the whole idea is to get your way through that with minimal stress and aggravation and more money in your pocket, really. Um, let's spend uh, the, less, the remainder of our time just talking a little bit about what you can do for people. And I'd like to make sure that people know where to find your book and, uh, you know, we'll make sure that your web address is out here so that people can get in touch with you as well. Yeah, you bet. The the book website is uh, www.lancebelline.net. And my company website uh, is, uh, the company name is Lighthouse Financial, and the website is www.lhfinancial.net. Cool. Very cool. That's a little old school too, the .nets. Did somebody actually have the .coms on those? It did, yeah. Yep. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> Man, what a bummer, dude. Even for your name, so there's another Lance out there. I know. Maybe, Crazy. Maybe it's, uh, you know, Kismet. You should give him a call and see if you, <laughs> you two are supposed to do something together. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. And the book itself is what's it geared towards? Is it geared towards a quick fix, long-term thinking? Like, tell us a little bit about how your book is written and what types of benefits people would have from reading it. Yeah, it's called uh, the title of the book is "More Wealth, Less Taxes." Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's time-tested strategies uh, that help individuals accumulate more and pay less. And it's just a, a book to give help people give a different mindset about saving and investing. Uh, again, it, it, with an analogies of these buckets and walk them through how they too can have $120,000 of income and pay only $1,400 in taxes if uh, they save strategically and withdraw strategically. 
And then also has some points as far as keys to accumulating wealth. Uh, you know, I have a state planning section in there. You know, I have a value of an advisor section. So just it's a financial book. So if an individual has financial interest, I think they, they think they would enjoy it, find it beneficial. Absolutely. Absolutely. And is it geared towards pretty much anyone like a young person, old person could read it and get value out of it? Yes, that's my goal. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. And uh, where will they find your book other than your website? Do you have it out on Amazon and all that? Yeah, the website has the Amazon, Target, Walmart.com, and, and Barnes and & Noble links. But if they wanted to go straight to those, they could. But uh, the, the links are in my web, within my website. Very cool. Very cool. And uh, one thing we didn't really talk about, but we probably should at least hit on this, is uh, this year's new tax structure. There's uh, some differences. We were talking about tax brackets. Is it something that people should worry about? Um, what's the impact going to look like for people this year? You know, I don't think there's there's not a, a lot of change. So it's not something that uh, at least I haven't uncovered up to this point. Um, some of those, the, you know, the brackets are all going to increase. The standard deduction is going to increase, but just by inflation rates. But so nothing, nothing uh, major. That's going to come come maybe the next right president after the next presidential election uh, that's generally when you see right tax codes change and mm -hmm. depending on which party has won right. the house won the senate and has the presidency complicated stuff yeah that part i don't want to even think about it yeah <laughs> it's no such way. a mess yeah i wish it could all be so simple um, kind of an off-the-wall question, but uh, what do you think about the idea of a flat tax? Oh, boy. That's like... Uh, Would it be fair, or is that unfair? Hmm. Like, everybody pays, pays 15%, let's say. Yeah. No good? I think it would be hard to get that approved just because the... Right, the you're going to have the wealthy, right, that are going, the super wealthy, right, or the top bracket's 37%. Mm -hmm. uh, generally speaking, I think that flat tax would have to be closer to 20 or 25 for it to make sense. I see, because uh, otherwise the tax dollars wouldn't be collected in the coffers and all of a sudden all of our funding would break down and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, and then you're, you know, you're hurting middle America uh, by that, right? The majority uh, of, of the United States population, right, is making less than $100,000 a year. And so that means they would be paying higher taxes because their, their effective tax rate is lower than that. You know, it's probably around closer to 15 to 20. So that's kind of where that, you know, you have to protect middle America. They're the foundation of, uh, of the United States. Absolutely. Yeah. The working class, they call it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing how that works, isn't it? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's a strange thing. Um, and I'm not necessarily a proponent of it. I think, you know, it's interesting to think about it in different ways, but when you put it that way, it makes a lot more sense. And, you know, fair is fair, man. I mean, if you've got a, you know, a room full of pies and, you know, the other person's got crumbs, you know, maybe you should share a little bit of that. And, you know, it, it doesn't hurt, you know, to do, especially if you're living here, you know, yeah, for sure. roads, infrastructure and all that. So as much as we hate it, taxes do serve a very important purpose. 
so uh, none of us want to go to jail, so we're going to keep filing our taxes every year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, you know, we also can do things to mitigate this, and that's really what this is about. And man, you did a great job illustrating this. And boy, Lance, you really know your numbers. I have to say, I'm really impressed. Um, you know, every question I asked you, you had an answer for that involved some detailed information. And I really appreciate that. Thank you for that. Uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to be on your show. Oh, yeah. No, no. This is uh, what it's about. I'm hoping that people will get some um, knowledge from this that will allow them to do something different this year. That's the goal. Uh, every year, people seem to go through the same process over and over. And, you know, nothing ever really changes. But I'm hoping that this will enable some folks to try something different, give them a new sense of hope, a new sense of possibility. Um, and quite frankly, man, I mean, with the kind of stuff you're talking about, it sounds like you can almost make people look forward to the next tax filing season. <laughs> <laughs> almost, right? Like yeah. not quite. Well, again, I encourage them to, to if they can be patient and get into retirement, then we can really have an impact on them. Uh, that's the goal. Okay, cool. So what you're really about is helping to make sure that retirement is as comfy as possible. Uh, even though your strategies will work at whatever level someone's at, um, what we're really talking about here is securing uh, your financial future through retirement. That's really what it's about, right? You bet. Providing a uh, safety blanket and all that. Um, hey, uh, another off-the-wall question, and we've got a minute left here, so I'm going to go ahead and throw it out here. Uh, I, I think it's a ridiculous idea, but like, what do you think about reverse mortgages? Uh, generally, I'm not a proponent of those, generally speaking. Um, okay. You know, but every situation could be different. If a person is kind of, you know, stage four cancer, real late in life, uh, and they need mm -hmm. to, they want to do a bucket list of, of trips uh, that would give them great joy and they don't care about how much equity in their house they leave, you know, to their heirs, right? And they don't have the money elsewhere. Why not do it? Yeah, very cool. That—that's the main thing. I thought I don't, you know, it's like most of the time property gets handed to the next, you know, relative or something like that. Uh, so that was the part of it I thought was kind of weird. It's like they're taking all of that and just kind of. But they, I don't know. I, I agree with you completely. Your point was better than mine, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I like your thinking a lot better, actually, because to me, it just seems like a way to suck the life out of a real estate investment that should be going to someone else in the family. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's the part of it, I think, that kind of sucks. Um, but whatever. I just kind of wondering. Um, <clears throat> so we've made it, man. Um, what an amazing hour. I don't think I've talked this much in an hour. Uh, to ask these many questions, but uh, have I missed anything? Is there anything that you know is on your mind or your heart that might be something important to mention right now? I always want to make sure that I allow for that time. Uh, if there's anything that we might have missed or something that you were thinking about that we didn't hit, anything at all along those lines? No, I don't think so, Todd. I really appreciate it again, the opportunity. I love your show, and I hope uh, your listeners find this beneficial. Me too, man. And once again, let's remind them how to get a hold of you. It's Lance Beline, right? Yes. And how do you spell it? B-E-L-L-I-N-E. -L -L -E, and then that's a .net. So LanceBeline.net and or my company website of Lighthouse Financial, which is www. 
lhfinancial.net. Excellent. And I see that you're on Facebook and LinkedIn. So don't be shy. Reach out to him there too, right? Yeah, that'd be great. Right on, man. That's great, Lance. You are a superstar, Lance. You know your numbers. You know your laws and procedures. I'm really happy to have spent this time with you today. And I just want to thank you again for you know, just being willing to share of yourself, really, that means a lot. And I really hope that the people listening get value out of that. And I'd like to hear from you maybe in the future after tax season. And, you know, hopefully there'll be some positive changes in people's lives because of this message today. That'd be great. Thank you. You are so welcome. Have a great afternoon. And I hope we get to talk again. You bet. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Toddcast Show. If you found today's episode helpful and meaningful, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on what's next. Remember that the Toddcast Show is all about community and connection. So follow the podcast on your preferred social platform to keep updated on everything I've got in store. Also check out ToddCastShow.com to find out more and stay connected with me, Todd Mira. Be sure to tell your friends and family about the Toddcast Show so the podcast family can continue to grow and share on an international level. See you over on the next episode. Hi, I'm Todd Mira, host of the Toddcast Show, and I want to share something personal with you today. Throughout my own life, I've struggled with issues I didn't even realize I had. Things like depression, past trauma, PTSD, and feeling disconnected from the people I loved the most. It took me hitting rock bottom to realize I couldn't fix myself alone. I needed help to unravel the tangled knots within my life, find myself again, and become stronger in the areas I was weakest. It wasn't an overnight transformation, but with time, I learned to change my thinking, my attitudes, and my entire paradigm for the better. I learned that it's good to ask for help, and that's why I want to tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the Toddcast Show. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and the best part, it's 100% online. You can participate from anywhere, anytime that works for you. It's simple to get started. Simply answer a few questions about your specific needs and personal preferences in therapy, and BetterHelp will match you with the perfect therapist from their network. It's really that easy. You can message your therapist anytime you need support and schedule a live session when it's convenient for you. BetterHelp is committed to ensuring that you find the perfect match to guide you along your journey to well-being. As someone who went through therapy and came out way ahead of where I started, I want to invite you to take this step to a healthier, happier you today. My life was transformed through therapy, and yours can be too. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you'd expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is hand-picked for you, all at a shockingly affordable price. And as a special offer for our listeners, you'll get 10% off your first month by using the special link, betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. 
You don't have to face life's challenges alone. BetterHelp is here to support you through the big and small issues of your life in a way that can really make a huge difference, both short and long term. Take the first step towards a healthier, happier you. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast to get started today.